Hey, this is Tim from Kalamunda Church of Christ, and today I hope that this podcast blesses you. If you are wanting to know anything more about our beautiful church, why don't you hop online and head to our website at kalamunda.church. Because your soul, your mind, and emotions, your mind, will, and emotions fluctuate. Your soul fluctuates, and at times when you're not feeling like it, at times when you're not feeling like you're in the spirit, your soul needs to sing. Your soul needs to tell yourself the truth. Your soul needs to speak life, needs to speak God's word, uh, to, to be renewed according to God's word. So you're not fluctuating and moved by feelings, but rather moved by God's word. So as we sing that, Lord, as we pray to you, as we worship you, Lord, in an attitude of prayer, we just want to say, Lord, our soul sings glory to you our soul sings you are the king of kings lord you are the lord of lords no matter what's going on around us we thank you that we are secure in you i thank you that we are blessed and not cursed i thank you that we're above and not beneath i thank you that we have everything we need for today that you are our provider i thank you that we don't need to worry and fear because we have peace and we have joy Oh, thank you, Father, for what you have done in us, that we can stand, and whilst everything may not be perfect, it never will be, we can still have joy, and we can still have peace in you. So I just pray this morning, Father, that as I speak, Lord, that my words would decrease and that your word would increase. Lord, we open our hearts, we open our lives to you. Come and rearrange. (laughs) Do what you want to do. Holy Spirit work done in me this morning. And if you believe it, shout amen. Amen. It's great to be with you this morning here. Please have a seat. My name's Brad. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's wonderful to be with you this morning. Uh, Long weekend, but some people have chosen not to go away, but to stay and be in church. So that's cool. Amen. I know I wouldn't miss it. Okay, so it's great to be with you. And we've, um, thanks for leading us in that time of communion, Dave. I actually sense that, that uh, ministry is already being done now. There's, there, there was a moment there, the Holy Spirit, just wanting to minister to hearts and lives. So I'm really sensitive to that as I preach and speak. And so uh, just, yeah, I feel God's already doing something and just want to lean into what He wants to do in our hearts this morning. We're uh, actually kicking off a brand new series, and I think it's perfect time for this series as, as uh, borders are opening up and cases are rising and aisles are bare and wondering if we'll have toilet paper in a few weeks or not. Great time for this series that we've entitled Promises That Are Greater, Promises Greater Than Pandemics. And I want to speak to you from that subject this morning. We're going to bounce around a little bit as I kick this series off. It's going to lead us into Easter where we're going to celebrate that, you know, the, the worst pandemic the world has ever seen, the pandemic of sin, it was totally cured and totally the cure came and it was totally sufficient. We're going to celebrate that at Easter time. I'm looking forward to that in six weeks' time. Can you believe we're talking six weeks to Easter already? Didn't we just do Christmas? Like, they're too close together. But, um, so really looking, but as we lean in, we want to lean into some promises and this morning, I just want to sort of kick it off that we want, to, we want to be people that are really grounded and guided by God's promises, not all our problems. <laughs> and I think that's, that's, that's what we want to do over the next six weeks, speaking to some of the things that are created by the pandemic or some of the things that are, uh, challenge us and cause pressure on our life, but to know that there are, the, there are promises that you can grab a hold of and live by 
that propel you over some of the challenges that God, you know, God wants you to be an overcomer. That means you overcome things, amen, in his strength. And so these promises are going to give you power to overcome. It says in Hebrews 10, 23, it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Don't you love them old car shows where they do that thing called chicken? You know, you've got one car going from one end and one car coming the other end and they're going at each other and you're just wondering who's going to be the chicken? Who's going who's to hold that line? Who's going to hold the car? And obviously if they both do, it doesn't end up very good. But that's when it's saying hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. We're not going to be moved. I'm not, I believe and trust God so much, I'll put my life on the line for His promises. I'll believe in them that much, they'll guide my life in such a way, I'm going to be unswerving. I'm not, I'm not moving from this promise in my life. You know, that's the kind of conviction that He's talking about here in Hebrews, that we've got the presence of God in our lives. Now, don't um, doubt that the one who promised God is faithful. He is so faithful. And one thing this... Um, the, the pandemic in this time and over the last couple of years has taught us, we've all learnt this, haven't we? We've all learnt not to plan too far ahead. <laughs> don't make too big a plans. Maybe don't put that wedding date for that time. Maybe don't put this date for that. We've all learnt how we've got to swerve around and swerve around situations and circumstances and be flexible. But when it comes to God's promises, you don't need to be flexible. You can be unswerving. And one of the things that is created is uh, uncertainty. And I want to speak about that this, this morning, dealing with uncertainty. Having certainty in uncertainty. If you're writing notes for a title, that's a great title. You know, I, I love the quote that says, There's nothing, there is nothing permanent except change. There's nothing permanent except change. And anyone knows that the older we get, I don't know about you, but the older we get, I get, I get more uncomfortable with change the change word yeah i mean before we had kids i just remember life was so spontaneous spontaneous you know um that was like our middle name we decide what to eat five minutes after we got hungry oh we should go and organize food we decide to go somewhere on the weekend or a long weekend like saturday morning or let's just go and then once you have kids you soon discover you need like a four-year degree of strategic planning just to get to church on time just to get up and get a food plan. What are we going to do? You know, it's every, suddenly routine becomes important. Suddenly we don't like change. We like structure. We like certainty in our lives. In fact, there was an article I read. It was quite a few years ago, and it was called The 10-Year Century. And this article was explaining that now, our days, what happens in 10 years is what used to happen in, because of a technological acceleration and advances, uh, a 10-year time slot now, it can be achieved and things can change and what actually can change in that time used to take 100 years. Does that make sense? So in light of that and in this next season we are in of uncertainty with restrictions, with case numbers, with kids at school, with all sorts of things, what are we, what are we doing? We, we, I, I just think, number one, just know as a church that we're not planning too far ahead. We, we're just trusting God as we go in this series and, and we'll, we'll continue to update you with things that change for us as a church and Easter planning and things like that. And I'm, I'm really okay with that. I just, I'm enjoying, I think we need to be just walking not at any time now, walking in the Spirit, amen? Being led by God and being focused on the main things. And that's what this series is designed to do, to really get our focus back on the main things. 
and really uh, getting our eyes on Jesus. So in dealing with uncertainty, it says this in Hebrews 11, the famous uh, chapter of faith, verse 1 says, Now faith is the certainty, is it? Faith is the certainty of things hoped for or proof of things not seen. That's the NASB. NIV says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith, in other words, thrives in uncertainty. (laughs) The opposite of faith isn't necessarily fear, it is sight. Because he says, we walk by faith and not by sight, what we see. We don't walk according to what we see around us, we walk according to what we believe in us, that is faith. And actually says it's, it's the certainty of things hoped for, the proof of things not seen. It's it's having confidence even when we can't see. And the rest of this chapter, in chapter 11, we're reminded that trusting God when there is no clarity is the strongest expression of faith. I mean, we're not going to read it, but in this chapter, Noah built an ark while waiting for 120 years of unprecedented rainfall. Sarah was told to trust God for a child in her old age with no clarity as to how such a thing could happen with Abraham worn out. Abraham went out when he was told to go, not knowing where he was going. Just, just off. This is, this is where our faith is formed from. The father of our faith wandered off, not knowing where he was going, because he had a promise that he wouldn't be swerving from. Uh, it, it goes through and it talks about, not when, and later uh, he planned to sacrifice his own son with no clarity as to why he was called to do this or what the outcome might be. The stories are extensive. The truth is unmistakable. F- faith flourishes when we are trusting God at the deepest level with a willingness to let go of certainty and let go of clarity. There are some things though, and that's what I want to speak about this morning, in there are some things in uncertainty, there are some things that you can be certain of that help you in your uncertainty. That, that's, that's really the truth. That's what they're saying. Even though faith flourishes when there's uncertainty and we see uh, the heroes of faith going into just times of what? There was something that you can trust in. And that's what I want to look at this morning. So if you're with me this morning, I want to give you just a few things that you can be certain of no matter what, no matter what the weather is outside, no matter what's going on around you, you can be certain of these things. And these are things that in a changing world, for people that hate change, this message is for you. If you resist change, this message is for you. You know why? Because these things I'm about to give you will never, ever, ever change. Number one is God's love for you. It will never, ever, ever ever change. God's love for you is something you can anchor your life on and be certain of even in uncertain times. We may doubt many things at this time. We may doubt where have you gone God but the truth is one thing will never change and that is how much God loves you. In fact I love the song that says even right now God, it talks about how God cannot love you any more or any less than he does right now. I mean, it sounds so simple, but it's a powerful truth that you, you often we just think, and, and I find this one to me, just to let you in on a little secret about Brad, this is something that I often need reminding her in. 
Because I just found in, in the world we grow up in, we grow up and we go to school classes and we've got to pass something to be approved. And, and then when you get a pass, you, you, you get your approved thing. And then you go to something else and you've got to be able to meet up to a requirement to be approved. And then you've got to go to work and you've got to be successful or you've got to perform and get KPIs. And, you've got to and there's nothing wrong with all that stuff in the right context as long as it doesn't form our identity. Once it forms our identity that this is what I've got to keep doing, we just get worn out, burnt out, because we're not secure in God's love for us. And, and it's, it's not a criticism of the world, it's just an observation that sometimes we can get sucked into that trap and realise, and suddenly our love is determined by what we do, and we bring that into God. And so we're sitting on a Sunday and we're thinking, oh, if I can just, what am I going to have to do this week to really please God? What am I going to have to do this week to, to get my life better? How can I get better behavior modification? Whereas God doesn't really want to worry about your behavior so much this morning as you're believing. He's more concerned about what you believe than how you behave because behavior always echoes belief. Behavior will always echo what someone believes. And if he can get your believing right, secure in his love, the behaving will take care of itself. Oh, I really was blessed by that. I needed to hear that this morning. Thank you, Lord. That was obviously one for me. God loves you so much right now. It says in 1 John 4, 16, and, we, and so we know. I love the word know in the Bible. Because in the Bible, the word know isn't head knowledge. The word know is Adam knew his wife Eve and they were fruitful. So the word know is so much deeper than just knowing something. It's relational. It's to know it in a way that changes you. It's to know it in a way that brings fruit into your life. We need to know and rely on the love God has for others. It doesn't say that, does it? It says for us. Know and rely on the love God has for us. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them relying on God's love is where God wants you to know that can never change we live in a world of temporary and conditional love don't we it's temporary and it's conditional and and we get insecure and whatever wears off and and this sort of thing but God wants you to be so secure in how much he loves you he's not schizophrenic he's not he, he doesn't change overnight he, he, he's perfectly perfect in his love and it's a powerful thing, and it's one of the most important things we need to be grounded in. Number one, his love for me does not change. In fact, the Lord just does not change that. Number two, his love for me is not reciprocal to my personal achievements. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Before you decide to love God, God's already decided to put your photo in his wallet and on his fridge. Before you even care about God, and you know, that should change the heartbeat of a church that loves people, amen? That This is a church where anyone and everyone is welcome, not because Brad loves you, God loves you. And if he thinks you're all right, then maybe I should too. <laughs> and that's the kind of love that should beam from us. It's not reciprocal. It's not, well, if you do this, I'll do that. That's not God's kind of love. That's an amazing thought. Number three, his love for me is not contingent on my love for him. The Bible says that we love God because he first loved us. Number four, his love is not selfish. So often what we call love, loving others, is self-love, isn't it? Because we know if we do something, we'll get something back. And it's sort of like, it looks like love, but really it's the love of self sometimes. Well, that's not God's love. God's love is purely unselfish. 
He sent his own son to prove that. His love for you is not full of bitterness or unforgiveness. He's not thinking about things that you're thinking, what, what you did in the past. He loves you so much that he says that he removes your sins as far as the east is from the west, deep down into the sea of forgetfulness, that he doesn't even remember them. See, God hasn't got a bad memory. He's just so full of love, he chooses not to remember your sin. I think that's great for me. Am I the only one? <laughs> I think it's awesome. And so that's the real message in that. True love, the Bible says in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, keeps no record of wrongs. It doesn't mean that we don't remember wrongs and learn from wrongs and we may change our relationship with people and have wisdom, but we don't keep a record of wrongs in a way that keeps us bitter and twisted. Amen? That's a whole other sermon there. I think that's a good one. And so God's love, we need to know it and rely on it. My challenge to you is, are you... Uh, are you knowing and relying on God's love for you during this time of uncertainty? Because it will center your life. God has a way of meeting us in uncertainty and showing us his love. I've probably said it before, but I'll, I'll never forget about 12 years ago when I went through one of the, the darkest times in my personal life through anxiety and, 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 and anxiety sort of linked with a bit of depression. And I just remember being in such a bad place uh, to the point of just uh, having a physical melt meltdown and um, heading into hospital. And they said, you know, you should probably stay overnight for us. We want to do, do a few things and just, just stay. And I said, yeah, no worries. And I ran out. <laughs> True story. I ran out. I was like, I'm out of here. This place is for people who have got problems. And I'm off. <laughs> I was the one with the problem. But anyway, I remember as he, the doctor yelled something. It was so funny on the way out, but it became very true in my life. But, but at that time, I went home and I just could not sleep, so there was anxiety, there was a bit of depression, there was, how do you say it, insomnia, yeah, could not sleep at all, and I remember one night, I just could not sleep, and I was just crying out to God, and I just had my Bible on my chest, and I'm just trying to sleep, and it's been ages, and I just started, and I'm sorry if you've heard this before, I just started to drift off, and as I did, I just saw the, the words just come down out of the roof almost, big words, Luke uh, 11, 6, no, Luke, I got the wrong, Luke 12, 6, that's what it was, and I was just like, and I just come out of nowhere, and I remember just opening up Luke 12, 6, and it said, at that time, are not five sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God. In a time where I felt forgotten, and where I felt so afraid, it said in verse 7, indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered, and then it said this, do not be afraid, you are worth more than many sparrows, and God's love just started to fill me, and I went on a healing journey, and the reason I bring that story up is to say to you, have you had time? where you've had God's love to you personally felt that it wasn't just you know for God so loved the world but you had a moment where for God so loved Tim for God so loved Luke for God so loved Tom for, for God so loved you have you had a, a moment like that where it was for you and I'm not saying we need to run around looking for experiences we trust the word of God but there will be times and maybe this pandemic is a time where God wants you to know his love for you personally has your name on it right now and he loves you that much, and he'll meet you anywhere in any mess. The Righteous Brothers, remember that band, young people? The Righteous Brothers, they sung a song years ago, and it was called, You've Lost That Loving Feeling. And I'm just going to sing it for us from the beginning, not really. You've lost that loving feeling. And the chorus goes, whoa, whoa, that loving feeling. You've lost that loving feeling. And I love the bit, it goes, and now it's gone, 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 gone. <laughs> 
And we used to sing it as, or listen to it as kids because my dad and mum loved it. And so we were forced with that child abuse to listen to it. And we're listening. And it's gone. And I used to love singing that bit. It's gone, gone, gone. And, and it was like this, uh, I sometimes wonder in our spiritual life, is that sometimes we've lost that loving feeling. Again, we're not moved by feelings, but we've lost that, that sense of God's love for me, that I'm, I'm his son, that he's proud of me. You know, when Jesus got baptised, he, he had done no miracles, he had done no ministry, he just built some tables and chairs, and he'd work with his dad. But when he got baptised, a voice came out of heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And Jesus himself, catch this, this is really powerful. The very son of God needed to hear and get a fresh loving feeling from his father before any ministry happened because now he was able to minister from love, not for love. He was able to do things in life because God loved him, not trying to get God to love him. And when the enemy came in against him, he knew who he was. I'm his son he loves me, I'm well pleased. That's a great way to start your morning this way. Get up and say, thank you, Lord, that I'm your child, that you're pleased with me and you love me and I haven't even got out of the bed yet because I'm not getting out of bed to perform for you. I'm already loved. I used to love the last part of the Righteous Brothers song. <laughs> the last part, it goes, I'm going to sing it for you, not really. It goes, bring it on back. Bring it on back. You remember that bit? Bring back that loving feeling. Whoa, that loving feeling. Bring it on back. And then he brings it on back and it finishes with, you know, get that loving feeling back. And my prayer this morning for some of us is maybe bring it on back. Bring on back that loving feeling, the feeling that I know God loves me, I'm loved by Him, I'm cherished by Him, and it's not based on anything I do or perform. It's based on His performance at the cross for me. It's unconditional. And it's your anchor during this next season to know it will never, ever change. We do not know what the future holds, but we know the one who holds the future loves me. The great theologian Karl Barth, when he was on his deathbed, you know, they wanted to get, last words are a powerful thing, and they, they talked to him on his deathbed and wanted to know what was the greatest, most amazing, revelationary, spiritual truth of all the years of theologian and studying the word. What was the greatest truth? We want to hear it. And there he goes, and they ask him, and he replies, and he says, the greatest truth could ever, ever know, study all the depths of the riches of the word is this. And he said, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. You know, it might sound basic, but it gets no more profound than that, that Jesus loves me, this I know. Number two, another thing that will never change, another thing that you can be certain of in times of uncertainty is not just God's love for you, but God's word to you. Aren't you glad that God is not faithful to your performance or to your faithfulness, but God is faithful to his word? God is faithful to his word and you can know if you resist change, hate change, praise God, God will not change his mind about what his promises are, about what his word is for our life. I love that thought. It says in uh, 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, All scripture is breathed out by God. Isn't that, this is a powerful verse to know off by heart. Breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be, a woman of God may be competent, equipped for every 
good work. The equipment in the pandemic is the promises of God. The equipment you need is the Word of God. It's His Word that never returns void, but will do what it is sent to accomplish. And I just love the Bible because the truths in it have changed Brad, have changed me. It it hasn't been self-help, it's been spirit help. (laughs) It hasn't been my great intellect, it's been the Word of God in my life. Let me read you a scripture from Psalms 119. Sorry if you don't like a lot of Bible reading, wrong church, but here we go. Psalms 119 verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping your word. I have sought you with all my heart. Don't let me wander from your commands. I have treasured your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Lord, may you be praised. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I proclaim all the judgments from your mouth. I rejoice in the, way, in the way revealed by your decrees. Catch this. As much as winning lotto, as much as all riches, I rejoice in your ways, he says. Verse 15, I will meditate on your precepts and think about your ways. I will delight in your statutes. And I love this last bit. I will not forget your word. I want to tell you this morning that pressure in life can cause memory loss to God's Word. But when you squeeze an orange, you get orange juice, and when you squeeze a Christian, you should get the Word of God coming out of your mouth, coming out of your life. Under pressure, it's His Word that I will not forget. It is what is a lamp to our feet, and it's a light to our path. And it won't change. God's Word, and I know we could go off on many tangents with this point, but I'm going to close it in just to say, when God gives you a promise... Don't ever let go. Don't, don't swerve from that promise that he gives you. He gave a promise to, in Matthew 8, to a centurion soldier who had a servant at home who was sick and suffering. So this centurion, you know, there's only a few times in the Bible where Jesus was actually amazed at something. This is one of those times where Jesus was amazed. You know, God can be amazed. Isn't that amazing? God can be amazed. And this centurion soldier went to Jesus and he said, uh, you know, come and heal my servant. This is in Matthew 8, in verse 8, the centurion replied, Lord, come and heal, come, shall I come and heal him? Jesus said, sorry. So Jesus is giving him a promise. Shall I come and heal him? Now, if Jesus said to you, shall I come and fulfill your need? You'd be like, yeah, here we go. This centurion said something that amazed Jesus. He said, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed for I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me I tell this one go this one come and they do what they say see what this this amazed Jesus his great faith that this was a man that understood the authority of word the when the word comes from the authority that it will do what it was sent to do and the Bible says that when he went back and found his servant healed it was at that very hour that very moment that the word proceeded from the mouth of God that he was healed and man doesn't live by bread alone but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So what am I saying? I'm saying to us this morning that let it be to us according to his word that we would say, you know what? Jesus, I trust your promises. Even though there's uncertainty, I am certain that I'm loved by you. Even though there's uncertainty, I'm certain that you've got promises for me in this season. Someone said it this way. If you really trust God and trust his Bible... Act like it. Act like it. Live like it. So this servant went away, and as he's wa- sorry, this centurion went away, and as he's walking home, he's acting 
like Jesus' word is true. I don't know really what happened on that walk. Maybe there are all these doubts saying, could it, could it be, what if it's not? What if he, I don't know. All these, it doesn't say, we don't really know, but I'd be tempted to have all these fluctuating doubts. But no, he just trusted his word. Let's act like God's word is true. His word says he is with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. Act like it's true when you feel lonely. His word says you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Act like it's true when you feel like you've got nothing. His word says that he's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. Act like it's true when you're in your car. Start talking to him. Everyone will think you're weird at traffic. It's awesome. And talk to your friend Jesus. I remember when Simon, I don't remember because I wasn't there, but I remember in the Bible when Simon was out fishing all night in Luke chapter 5 and Jesus comes along the next day and wants to use his boat as a platform to preach. And anyway, they're, they're out there and um, Simon, Jesus comes and he actually tells Simon, why don't you launch the nets out into the deep? And Simon answers back and said, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing, nothing. But I love this next bit. He said, nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. And he let down his nets and caught such a big catch of fish. It was a blessing for everyone around him. See, when you have a nevertheless at your word attitude, God will do stuff that only he can do. When it look, well, nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to trust your word in this season, God. I'm going to trust you and what you were saying. Nevertheless, at your word is what is going to dictate my experience. Amen. And there was such a huge catch. And I'm going to finish on this point if the worship team want to come back up. In uncertain times, let's be certain of God's love for us. Let's be certain of God's word and let's, let's keep our minds in his word. Let's keep our hearts in his word. Let's keep walking according to his word. That's why I want to be in church each week because I know life is busy uh, and it's, it's hard. And sometimes we just don't always have that time in the word and devotion. I, my prayer is that when you come here, you feel like a well of the word of God in this place, a well of the spirit of God. You come and feel like, man... I feel full, but you know, don't just do it on a Sunday. Let's be self-feeders that feed the Word. It's what will keep you strong in uncertain times. And I finish on this last point. Point three is something that will never change in a changing world, ever change, is God's presence with you. It's God's love for you. It's God's Word to you. And it's God's presence with you. These are things you can be certain of. These are things that will never, ever change. You know, Jesus didn't come into your life as a visitor. But when he put his spirit in you, it was to take up residence. And you can't even sin him out. I mean, besides rejecting him altogether, I don't know, denying him. Just if you're struggling, you, he, isn't, he isn't moved away by your struggles. He isn't moved away by what you're going through. He is with you. The presence of God. I love this in Psalms 46, 1 to 3. It says, For God is our refuge and strength, and ever present, not ever absent. In a world where everyone's going absent, God is ever present. Help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and the foam and the mountains quake with their surging. Catch the picture of a world gone mad. We will not fear when the world goes mad. Why? Because even in the pressures, we have an ever-present Savior. At the end of the Psalms, verse 10, he tells us the key is, he says, Be still and know I am God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us the God of Jacob is our fortress you know to be still and know he is God is a powerful thing 
We're going to finish the service just like that in a moment, just to be still and know, you know, knowledge, revelation knowledge often flows from stillness. Just being still before God. I often say that. Sometimes I often have to listen back to some of my sermons because I didn't realize what God was going to do in the time of worship and put in my heart as I'm just being still. I think, oh yeah, that's great. You don't know what God's got for you to say to somebody in the foyer this morning over coffee, to bless somebody, to to take a coffee to somebody, to to speak a word of encouragement to somebody that as you're just still before God and God puts that on your heart to to this week to make a phone call that you do. That's a God phone call. I need to ring that person. I, I need to repent of something. I need to ask for forgiveness. I need to get that knowledge from being still. That it, and, and it comes from knowing He's with you. This isn't a religion. This, this is a relationship with Jesus. You know, in the Bible, the Shadrach, Meshach, and, and Abednego, you know that story. And they knew what it was to be in an uncertain time, in a culture of uncertainty. And when everyone else is bowing down and they're, they're standing up for God and that they find out what it's like to get thrown into the fire the fiery furnace, big King Nebuchadnezzar gets these three guys and he throws them into a fire because of their defiance. And as he throws them into the fire, but not only that, you know when you think you're going through a hard time, you think it's hard enough? The Bible says that big King Neb, he turned the fire up seven times hotter. So that, sometimes it's like that. You're like, this is hard enough and now it's even getting harder. Like what could go wrong next? Have you been there? And it gets seven times hotter and he's just, so he's cooking his lunch down there. He's got the three uh, boys in there. And then the Bible says, though, you've got to catch this. He goes down and he thought in the heat of the moment, he does a head count. And he decides, he counts. He's like, well, there's Shadrach. You can see him in the fire. There's Meshach. There's one, two. And he he rubs his eyes. This is Brad's version. He rubs his eyes. Like, what's going on? He does another count. One, two, three, four. Four. I keep getting four. Turns to his assistant. Do you get four? Because I keep counting four in the fire. And they're like, yeah, we count four too. That must be the Son of God. Who knows that Jesus, His presence was manifest with them in the fire. His presence was not walked away by the fire. Not saying you got this on your own. I want, to know, I want you to know in this next season we're in, His presence is all we need. He is with us in thick and with thin. And when God does a head count on your life, He doesn't just count you. He says one, two. You've got Jesus on your side, which means you're in the majority. Amen. Amen. He's with you. His presence is not scared by pandemics. His presence is not turned off by pressure. Would you stand with me in a moment of just worship? Stand with me and just close your eyes if you're comfortable to do that.